Welcome to the Living on Purpose podcast. I am your host, Maudie Wollner, a multiple business owner, life coach, busy mom of three, and curious student of life. This podcast is a place for inspired women to gather. Each week, I will share personal stories, quick inspo, strategies that you can implement right away, and engage in real conversations with badass women who have made the conscious decision to live a life on purpose one that they have intentionally designed and that they now demand. No more allowing our lives to be defined by everyone else. No more putting ourselves on the back burner. No more living in a state of default and never going after our goals or our dreams. We are gonna live our best lives on our terms. Living on purpose is our goal and we're gonna get after it starting right now. All right, this is the part where I get to give you a huge virtual hug and thank you for reviewing this show, My Labor of Love. These ratings and reviews seriously mean the world to me. This comment comes from Kristen Michael. Kristen says, Maudie's positivity and zest for life make her podcast engaging and fun. I love hearing from her. Thank you, thank you so much, Kristen. Uh, Your review seriously makes my heart happy. And I would love to hear what you think of the show. Leave a review, and I would love to give you a big virtual hug on a future episode. Oh my goodness, you guys. It is our podversary. Six months of the Living on Purpose podcast coming at you each and every week. I cannot believe that it's already been six months and we need to celebrate. So what we're going to do is to run a month-long Share the Love contest. And here's how it's going to work. There are three ways to enter into this contest. However, even though there's only three ways to enter, entries are unlimited. There is no such thing as oversharing in this contest. So the three ways to get an entry is number one, give the podcast a five-star rating and write a review. Easy peasy. Number two, share a screenshot of the podcast on Facebook or Instagram and make sure you tag me, Maudie Wollner, to make sure that you get the credit. And lastly, share about the podcast in your stories. Again, tag me. The more sharing, the more entries. This contest, the Share the Love contest, will run right now through March 20th. And the winner, will get a free month of coaching for the entire month of April, which includes four one-on-one coaching calls. And this prize, you guys, is valued at over $500. So this is a real deal. I'm so excited to celebrate six months of Living on Purpose podcast with you and with this contest. And of course, thank you for tuning in. If it wasn't for you, I couldn't have turned this dream into reality. And thank you for sharing the love. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Living on Purpose podcast. It has felt like a minute since I have done a solo episode. I have been so sick for the first two months of the year with back-to-back colds that I haven't felt up to 
doing a solo episode and um, I've been interviewing some amazing people. So I just feel really blessed and thankful that I was able to spend some time shining the light and spotlight on the guests uh, of the show as opposed to me bringing the energy that I was so lacking in the last four weeks, eight weeks of this year. But now it's March. I am like turning a new leaf. I feel my energy soaring. The sun is out today and I am ready to, to chat with you. Today, I'm going to tell you about my anxiety. And I know I've dropped hints about my anxiety and the struggles and challenges that I've had uh, on on previous podcasts, but I, I know that I haven't told my entire story. And I have to tell you that once I started talking about my story, I felt my anxiety. Every time I talk about it, I feel my anxiety diminish just a little bit. And one of the things that really triggers me and my mental health is my physical health. So the fact that I have been really sick, really low energy, really low creativity has has really triggered some anxiety for me. And I thought, you know what? I know I'm not alone here. And I know that some of my most favorite podcasts that I've listened to or books that I've read have been when the author or the host told me, told me the real deal, like got straight with me and told me what was up. So I'm going to share my anxiety story with you, my path, what I've learned. This is not, I'm not a psychotherapist. I am not a counselor. I'm not a doctor. This is just my story and tips that I found that have, have worked well for me. So let's take you back. I opened my State Farm Agency in May of 2008. And uh, up until that point, I had been working at a bank and I had been crossing off some major, major milestones on the checklist of life, if you will, right? Like um, I had my first baby out of wedlock, so shame on me. Not really. Um, but then I quickly, you know, got a great job, uh, found a rockin' man who I'm still married to, had a couple more babies, bought a couple more houses. And in May of 2008, I opened my first business at 25 or 26. So I was cruising. I was hustling through what I thought was everything I was supposed to do, right? And as soon as I stepped into my insurance agency, I asked what I should be doing, how much I should be selling. And the people, the powers that be, asked me to sell X, Y, and Z. And I was like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I will do whatever anybody needs to be number one. I was really proud of um, being top of my class for sales, top of my area. And I really hustled my booty off working, you know, seven days a week, 10 hours a day. Um, and I was living and breathing this business and really, really just grinding, grinding myself to the bone. Um, and I thought that that was all good. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, right? Like business owners must hustle. This is one of the beliefs that I held back then that thankfully I've learned, um, isn't a hundred percent true. Uh, but I was getting after it big time. And Years after I started my business, um, back in 2015, I was in the office and 
doing the hustle and something felt really, really wrong. My, and I, you know, if I get choked up, um, bear with me. I don't apologize for crying anymore, but I can, when I start to tell this story, it's amazing what my body does. I can feel it in my body right now. And, you know, I have to just, maybe just a little warning. If, if you do, um, struggle with anxiety at times, um, and you do start to feel triggered by my story, please feel free to press pause, skip this episode, maybe skip forward, um, to when my story is finished and I, and I, and I get into some of the things that I've learned, um, from having anxiety. Back to my insurance office. I'm sitting at my desk hustling away and my body kind of starts to really shut down on me. Um, it started in my arms. I can feel it now. Um, they got really heavy and, and really tingly and it quickly, uh, moved up my arms to my chest. My heart started racing. I started sweating, but was that cold goosebump? sweat. And then my head just felt like a balloon, like, like a vice, you know, was, was squeezing it, but also it felt just like 10 times its normal size. And I had a massive, massive headache and I don't struggle with headaches very often. So I knew something was off. I knew something was off when I felt it in my hands, but this rapid shutdown of my body and this rapid uh, response of the heart rate and then the sweating triggered this, this fear. And I knew I was dying in that moment. And I got up from my desk, I grabbed my purse and I don't even, I don't even remember if I told my team members what was happening. I just left the office. I got in my car and started driving to urgent care. It was at that moment that I called Tom and Tom, this is a a big part of my story because as I look back and reflect, I think that that was probably the first time I had asked for help in a decade. I called Tom and I said, I don't know what's wrong with me, um, but something is wrong. I'm heading into urgent care and I need you to meet me there. And like I said, not only did I reach out to my husband and ask for help, at that time, Tom was working nights. And so I literally had to pull someone out of bed to be by my side through the hardest thing that I've ever had to deal with, literally. So Tom met me at urgent care and they rushed me in and did all the vitals. And the doctor came in and he told me, that I was fine. And what I had just suffered from was a massive panic attack. Now, I can tell you that I probably looked at that doctor with utter disgust. The thoughts that were racing through my head were, I don't do panic attacks. What are you talking about? Do, do you know who I am, doctor? Like, do you know what I've done? I'm a hustler. I, I'm, I'm just over here grinding. I'm just over here literally crossing off the checklist of life and I've been doing it right. This isn't part of the checklist, Mr. Doctor. I was floored. I could not believe that panic could cause that much of a reaction physically. And so 
The doctor sent me home with some medication, which I took and promptly went to bed. He also let me know that I um, needed to go see my primary first thing in the morning, as well as schedule an appointment with a therapist. And uh, I went to my doctor, I went to the therapist, and this episode scared me so thoroughly that I actually followed through with the um, the steps that the doctor at urgent care told me to to go through and the hoops that he told me to go through and I am I am so thankful um, and this uh, this I hate saying this because I I hate anxiety <laughs> I hate everything about it however I think that this panic attack literally saved my life because I was hustling myself to death I was stressed out to the point that. My body literally had to shut down to get my attention. And thank God my body knows what to do, right? My mind's all sorts of whacked out, but my body, I can trust. I can trust my body. So so that was in 2005. That was how I found myself sitting in Dr. Michael Early's small office talking about this panic attack and the first time I went to therapy, I, it's funny, I look back now and I think I'd shake my head with compassion for the woman I was five years ago. I really thought I was doing everything right. You know, I thought hustle was the way. I thought grind was the way. And so I look back at um, this this woman who was suffering and struggling so much sitting in this therapist's office. And, you know, uh, like I mentioned with the insurance agency, I asked, you know, Mr. Man and Mr. Woman, you know, like, tell me what to do. Tell me how much business to sell. Tell me how many team members to hire. Like, tell me the business plan you want me to run and I will go run that. And so unfortunately for me, that's how I went into therapy. And I sat down and I told Mike everything that happened, everything that went down. And I said, also, I just need some homework. Um, I'm going to need you to tell me what books to read. I'm a great reader. I'm going to need you to tell me which podcasts to listen to because I'm a avid podcast listener because, you know, I was running and hustling and working out and doing all that. And so I had all this time to listen to podcasts. And I said, you know, like, do you have any worksheets, any self-helpy shit that uh, you want me to do? Because I will cross off that checklist and and get better right? You just, you just tell me what to do and I'm going to go hustle on through that and then I'll be better. Blah, blah, blah. Wipe my hands of this place, wipe my hands of this anxiety and panic thing and be done with it. And Mike just looked at me uh, with like love and tenderness and compassion as a good therapist does. And he just said, oh sis, you know, that's, that's not how it works here. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, that's how it's worked my whole life. What are you talking about, right? And he said, no. And he didn't tell me what I what I now know then. But, but what I now know is the healing process 
happens through the pain, not around it, right? Not ignoring it, which I had done for, I don't even know how old was I, 30, 30 years. I got really, really good at ignoring my pain, ignoring my feelings, and ignoring when my body was telling me to slow down, sister. And so I am proud to say that I go to therapy once a month and recently, actually, because my anxiety has been triggered with my sickness, I have been going once a week because that's what I need. And, um, and it is part of my healthcare plan now. It's part of my mental care. It's part of my self care. And so my number one piece of advice before anything else, if you struggle with any sort of mental, you know, quote unquote issue, and I hate that word issue, but, but challenge, go seek some professional help. That's, that's where to start. Number one, if you have a friend who is struggling, if you have a, a child who is struggling or a parent who is struggling, please send them numero uno step. Go, go to a professional because that's, that's what you need to do for sure. And I, I look back at how far we've come and I know I have so much farther to go, but I'm just so, so blessed that uh, I landed my booty in his office on that day. And I wanted to share my story, but then I also wanted to share just some of the things that I've learned along the way. And I'm just going to go through them now. And I'm sure as I continue to podcast, I'm continue to, to interview people who have dealt with anxiety and mental health struggles. And I'm going to talk about mine more and more, but these are the ones that I'm really feeling right now. So the first thing, um, that I have learned is that I actually don't have anxiety. Um, I occasionally suffer from symptoms and I, um, I'm a big labeler of myself and I'm learning to not label so much, but once we label ourselves with some sort of belief or some sort of title, we start to act in a way that validates that belief. So if I walk around telling people that I have anxiety, I'm telling myself something that I'm going to believe. And if I tell myself that I have anxiety, what's that going to trigger? It's going to trigger more anxiety. Yes, I occasionally suffer from anxiety. Absolutely. But I don't have it because I don't have it all the time. It's just like I'm not going to put the title, uh, um, titles on my children, right? Like at times, Xavier may act like a little brat, <laughs> right? But that doesn't mean he's a brat. Or at times he might act shy, but I'm never going to say, oh, Xavier is shy. That doesn't define him. There may be situations where he feels like he would like to act shy, but that doesn't define him. Just like, you know, some, like if we're talking about anxiety as a sickness or like, you know, mental health, um, it's just like, I have had a cold <laughs> for the last eight weeks. I'm finally feeling better. Like I mentioned, thank baby Jesus. But I, I, I'm not someone who has a cold, right? Like I'm not going to say, oh, I have a cold all the time. At times I do. And so I have learned to not associate myself in totality with my anxiety. Yes. I occasionally have it. It creeps in sometimes more often than other times, but that does not define me. That's number one. Um, number two thing that I've learned is, uh, not to be ashamed. 
of uh, mental health struggles and challenges. Uh, anxiety, panic, depression are nothing to be ashamed of. And I obviously was. I completely am a convert in this stereotype because I had never suffered from it before. And so I did have a stereotype uh, regarding mental health because you want to know why? I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. And so when I was diagnosed with extreme severe panic and anxiety, I thought, holy shit, successful business people don't have that right? Amazing mamas don't have that. Badass wives don't have that. This is my, this is my preconceived notion of mental health, anxiety, and panic. And I was ashamed, 100% ashamed and uh, pretty pissed off that my mind was kind of, my, my body, you know, rebelled. And now I'm learning to trust my body, but I was pretty pissed that my body did this to me at the time. I was like, you know, sister, I feed you right. I exercise. I, I do all the things. And I was ashamed and mad. And, you know, that's how I showed up to therapy, like pretty cocky. I had a big old chip on my shoulder. You know, Dr. Mike, do you know who I am? Like, I don't do anxiety. I don't do panic or depression. And, uh, thank God, like I said, he's so compassionate and he just nodded his head and said, okay, okay, all right, all right, we'll get through this. But I, I just want to A, admit that I was ashamed and B, um, tell you that I've come full circle and by, by sharing my story, and this kind of goes into my third little tip, by sharing my story, um, the shame, has completely started to disappear, right? I, I was going to look up an amazing Brene Brown quote before I pressed record on this podcast, and I didn't. But basically, I know what Brene says is once we shine a light in on shame, once we identify it and kind of bring it out of the dark, it can't survive anymore. So once I started speaking up and saying to people that I love and trust is where I started to, to Tom you know, when it's creeping in to give myself a voice to say, I'm feeling anxious right now. What I need is a hug or with my friends. I'm feeling anxious right now. Instead of um, going to that happy hour, I'm going to stay home and take a bath because that's what I need. Speaking up and not being ashamed of it with the people that I trust. Now, this does not mean that everybody in our lives um, deserves or has earned the knowledge. Okay. This just means that when you shine a light on your shame and you give words to it and you bring it out of the dark, it starts to die. It starts to wither. It cannot live in the light. And so what I found for me is when I speak up about anxiety and when I speak up about my story, people just look at me with more love, more connection, and I start to feel less yucky because I'm not holding it in all the time anymore. I'm not hiding behind it anymore. Um, and that, like I said, that kind of goes into my next realization is that I'm not alone. I'm not alone on my mental health journey. I'm not alone with these symptoms. You are not alone if you have them. We are not alone. 
There are millions of people on this planet who have the same symptoms and same struggles that I do. And unfortunately, you know, we say misery loves company. I don't necessarily believe in that, but I like knowing that I'm a part of a community, that I'm not a crazy outlier, something that doesn't just reside in me. I'm not the only one. And once I started sharing a little bit more openly, especially on like Facebook and Instagram, uh, about going to therapy and even like, you know, marriage therapy and being so open about that, I've received so many messages from people thanking me for shining a light on the fact that there's nothing to be ashamed of and that it is so healthy and needed. These discussions and dialogue are so, so important. And so I've realized, and I did not know this before because I had my head, you know, head in the sand or was hustling so hard I didn't even slow down to to give it any thought that I'm not alone. Uh, The other Another thing that I've realized um, is that it can be hereditary. And so um, it has been interesting for me and Tom to watch one of our children begin to show signs of some anxiety. And so if if that's the case for you, there are so much resources out there um, for what to do in the situation if someone that you love is having, you know, a panic attack or having anxiety, uh, one of our children had a really bad uh, attack at, while they were sleeping over at a friend's house and we had to go pick them up. And I remember Tom, once we got home, telling them, just don't think about it. Just don't think about it. And I looked at him like incredulously, like, oh, my God, that is the worst thing you can say. But Tom doesn't struggle with anxiety. So he doesn't know. And so what we have done is Tom and I have had more dialogue about, you know, what does help in those situations? Is it a hug for that individual? Is it a conversation? Is it scratching, you know, the back? And does it warrant a phone call to a professional in that moment as well? So be on the lookout, sisters. If you feel stress, a high level of stress, anxiety, panic, mental health, be on the lookout for your babies because it can be hereditary. Uh, A couple more things that I've learned is medication can be a lifesaver, okay? It was always my goal. I went on medication right away, and it was always my goal to get off as soon as possible. And I think I was medicated. I, I don't even know what it was, but for maybe a year. But I still... Uh, have emergency anxiety pills with me at all times. And one thing that my therapist said that I will never forget is because I was so adverse, right, to medication. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't need that. You, you can only imagine. And he said, Maudie, if someone is drowning, that's not the time that you need to teach them how to swim. If someone is drowning, that's the moment you throw them the life preserver. You throw them the life raft or the life ring. You save their ass. You get them out of the water and and move on. And then you teach them how to swim later. He said, that's exactly what I'm talking about with the, with this, you know, this, this medication. Right now, sis, me speaking, <laughs> talking about myself, I was drowning 
And he said, all I'm doing right now is throwing you the life raft. And then over the course of, and now it's been years, I'm going to teach you how to swim. So medication can be so, so, so useful. It has for me. And um, I just want to leave it at that. I know there's a lot of opinions out there, but that has been my, my experience. Lastly, and I know I ha- I'm, I'm sure there is so much more I could talk about and so much more I should talk about. But the last thing that I've learned is that it starts in the body. And so as I've gotten better and better about tuning in to how I'm feeling in my body, I've been able to lessen the severity of my anxiety. Here's what I mean. My body when I start to get anxious, feel it's in my neck and it's going to be different for everyone, but it feels like my neck is starting to close. I'm not going to be able to breathe. Maybe I'm like, you know, now I'm in my mind because quickly, you know, as soon as your body gives you that little like, hey, something's up, sis, like, hey, listen to me, might need to slow down. Then where does it go? Then it goes to the mind and then it's really, really hard to switch your thoughts. So, as soon as I feel the anxiety in my body, I have started to um, use EFT, which is some um, something tapping. You can you know look it up on Pinterest, Google it, whatever. Um, and it's interesting. EFT it stands for tap. This sort of tapping that I've been doing that's been really great to kind of keep me in my body as opposed to like going to my mind and spinning. But you know, funny enough, EFT is also the form of therapy that I cannot recommend highly enough. It's um, emotion-focused therapy by Sue Johnson. Both uh, Mike Early, my therapist, and our marriage um, counselor both um, are certified in EFT, and it is phenomenal. But what I'm talking about here is the EFT tapping that has really, really just helped me um, get back to my body and out of my mind. Other things that I've done, just throwing it out there, is um, really loving uh, Byron Katie's work, uh, right now, love, love what is. And it's all about, you know, fear is when we start fighting with reality. And if we can learn not to fight with reality, then maybe fear could subside. I'm really loving that. Meditation. Um, there's some great apps out there. Uh, I use the Headspace meditation app and it's been really cool as my anxiety has been, um, triggered and a little bit heightened over the last couple of weeks to use it both in the morning and uh, before bed to help me fall asleep. Um, journaling out my feelings has been really amazing. And um, then talking talking about it with licensed therapists as well as my husband being open to it. So that's that's my you know story in the best nutshell I could possibly wrap it up in. Um, and a couple of the things that I've learned through my, through my journey. Um, I know I'm not alone. I know, um, some people who are going to listen to this episode also have anxiety or depression or panic or mental health struggles. I'd love to hear and, um, and create maybe a list of what you do. What have you found along your journey that helps you the most. I hope this was helpful. I, um, I feel like my heart was out there on my sleeve and I am just, um, thankful for you and this space to be able to share. So, uh, thank you and always keep living on purpose. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to the Living on Purpose podcast. It has been a blast hanging out with you. If you love this week's episode, please hit that subscribe button. That way you won't miss any future goodness we throw your way. Craving community and connection with like-minded badass women? Feel free to join us in the Living on Purpose Facebook group. And of course, the best gift that you could possibly give is an honest review on iTunes. All right, that's it. Until next time, always keep living on purpose.